Thanks for tuning in to the Westbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. We'd love for you to check out our website, westbridgedanville.com, for additional resources. Here's today's message by Pastor John McDougall. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see everyone today. It's a big day for us as we celebrate 58 years of God's faithfulness to us as a, a church family. And a couple weeks ago, a I Love His Church moment happened in the foyer. Tam and I were out there, and a young man, Braden Tribula, fourth grade, came up, and he had this big smile on his face, and he's like, hey, he had something important to share. And so when he was ready, he explained, several days ago, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I uh, went to follow him in baptism. And it was neat just to hear his hear his story, see his countenance, see the family around him. And that moment has been on replay in my mind, lighting me up with the, uh, really the why of what we do as a church family. And that beautiful picture of one, a Christ, the power and impact of a Christ-centered family to, to pass the gospel to the next generation. But then as the Tribula family shared, they were so grateful for our church family coming along them coming alongside of them and Braden, and just the power of a healthy, uh, strong, Christ-centered church family to pass the gospel on to the next generation. And today, as we think about our um, what we're about, what, why we exist, I love that picture of a football handoff, and it's, it's just passing that football of the gospel to the next generation and seeing God work. And so this is the day also we take a, uh, a quick stroll, a worship, we'll call it a worship stroll down memory lane. And so we have some pictures, appreciate Abby and Marcy putting these together. But um, rolling back, this is the first building that we are one of the first, I think second building actually, but it's now gone. It's across from the, uh, the Danville Museum. It's a parking lot now, but Phil Bloomer down here, anyone recognize this guy waving the flag? Russ Mock back in the... Um, a wanted days. Here's a, and a picture of the family. I love this is the building. That's the church. And just one thing you notice as you look at that, the emphasis on helping families and kids come to Christ, grow in Christ from day one. We had a bus back in the day, Dougie Huff, uh, Mission Project. And we'll go next slide. This is kind of a fun one if I were, okay. Uh, Gary Crawford mission. Um, how many mission trips has our church family taken over the years? And since that we're getting ready for a new season of that as this coming year um, arrives. Jim, God has provided for us to use sports ministries. Kala, all grown up now, about to graduate with Heidi. Anyone recognize this couple down here? It might have been before the boys, but Rob and Nicole. And as I was thinking about Rob and Nicole's ministry, I think Rob was born in this church and grew up, and I think he's nearing 50 years, but 50 years of faithful ministry of our members is just, praise God. We are uh, next page, or next pick. All right, so the top left, anyone recognize Kyle Fox in this pick? Far right, brother's got a nice stash of hair. The, uh, <laughs> anyone recognize Janae in this pick? She's right there in the middle. Where's Wes? He's already graduated probably, wasn't he? All right, next pick. Anyone see the mock twins? There they are. Oh, I'm sorry. If we could go back. Next pick down, 
my bad, Mahan. And then you got Lake McDougal over on the left. So in the center on the bottom pick, and so thankful for the Herald family and the way our church loves on past, our pastors. Last night we were talking to our son who's in the middle there. He's in a season of life. He can't be with us on Sundays most of the time. And tougher hit he and his wife, Laura. But last night he was expressing that I'm missing the church. And it was a prayer moment for him, but it was also a praise moment for our church family that we have a church that, that he misses and so thankful. All right, Andrea Huff, top right. Anybody see her up there? Second from the left. Good stuff. This was when we uh, broke ground for, and you can see the church surrounding what it was the gym back in the, uh, when we went to build that. And so really neat picture. So much ministry has happened through that. All right, next pick. We have up at the top left, Trail View. This is the church in Lebanon. We've been coming alongside and just seeking to encourage and helping them thrive. And today, as we celebrate 58 years of God's faithfulness, they launch a kids ministry. And we have been instrumental in that. And so we're praying for them today. And, and thank you for the part that you play. And then we see the uh, all the things that are happening. Love the multi-generational aspect of our, our church family. Right in the middle, you have Al and Barb Walker, which may not know them, but they make our church go through prayer. And they will spend um, significant time of each day on their knees in prayer for us. And that's how God does his work and just praise God for them. But praise God for, for the whole family. And then the next page, we have... Uh, a picture of, okay, this is, um, so Bill and Donna Bennett down here, Lowell and Lindrell Dragoo up here. And today is a day we want to just recognize those who have given above and beyond over the years, faithfully serving the Lord. And uh, 50 plus years of their lives, they have given to our church family. And our award for this is just a glimpse of what's coming for them in heaven. But it's what we call the servant's towel. And it's John 13, 15 to 17 we have on here for them to hold and just know that uh, the best is yet to come. But I so appreciate Bill and Donna Bennett came in 1970. They were baptized later that year. One year later, 1971, the church handed to them the youth ministry. And they've been having fun ever since, they say. And so praise God for, for them. And, and then Lowell and Lindrow Dragoo uh, came to our church in 1968. And both couples are sitting back here. But they, uh, when uh, Lindell was pregnant with their first child, Tina, and I was thinking, should we um, list all the ways that they've served over the years? And then I realized, nope, because I'm pretty sure they've served in every role there is to serve in our church family. So, so grateful for them. And so, would you join me in just thanking them for their ministry? <laughs> and then it's uh, just exciting to think about, not only has God, as we look back, His goodness has just poured out on us like a waterfall, but looking ahead, just the excitement of what's coming and who God is bringing to our church family and the next slide, we have a picture of Kurt and Joan Coddington. And uh, Kurt and Joan served the body of Christ for over 30 years in full-time vocational ministry. 
So as we celebrate what God has done here, I was just thinking about what's going on in their minds. Their mind goes to other church families that he led through significant seasons of into health but one picture is of the uh, the church hillcrest i think that's the church in nebraska that he led um to a platform them to to just grow through a building program and and faithfully preaching teaching god's word neat thing about uh kurt and joan her dad was a harley davidson dealer and they they ride harleys together or did ride harleys together now she rides in the sidecar but um so there he's a harley harley man she's a harley mama and in the bottom, you see the picture of one of their deep loves was helping college students. And they ran a Bible study for college students. This, I think it started at like 9 o'clock at night and went to, he said, sometimes 2 in the morning. <laughs> and so what's neat is God has brought them to our church family. They came here to be close to their kids and grandkids. And upper left is a picture of all their kids, grandkids. But they're in this new season. And he's building a house. They're building a house out at Heritage Lake by him, basically building it with his own hands. And gifted, gifted guy. But uh, just excited to see what God wants to do in them, and, but also through them as they join our church family. And as I was thinking about them, and I encourage you to get to know them, you hear their stories, and like, Lord, why did you bring them to us? Like, why, why us of all the churches? What a gift this couple is. And it's. I think the answer is obvious. He desires to just continue to bear fruit through them in our church family. And so praying for them, though, um, it's a new season. And so we want to just wrap them up. And they, uh, their faith story, really neat. Both of them trusted Christ at the age of five through a kid's ministry. And then early on, just sensed God's hand on their lives for, for ministry with Kurt, a gift in leadership, preaching, teaching. And then Joan, at 12 years old, the, the church she was in was like, you have a gift of teaching. And so excited to see how God's going to use that in their lives. And then uh, thinking about the future, though, just excited for what God has in store. And as I was thinking about what's coming, really our confidence is in one reality, and it's that Jesus Christ is obviously present, actively in charge. And our hope for the future is is not in our abilities or our uh, programs or, or the place God's given us or any of these things, our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And so we fix our eyes on him and, and man, cannot wait to uh, follow him into the future. The verse that, that comes to mind is this verse out of Ephesians chapter uh, 3. We'll go ahead and put that slide up. And it's, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so this time Doug comes to pray us into this next year. And Doug and Abby so appreciate their ministry, many different ministries within the church, but he serves as our the chairman of our elder team and does so much to, to keep us going after him. Good morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are just so, so gracious to us, Lord, and I think of your word, and it tells us, Lord, that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And, Lord, I look at all of the action in these slides and that you showed us today, Lord, and I look at all of the, the those that took your word, that have gone before us, they've taken your word, and they've just continued to build house after house on solid rocks. 
And Lord, I just pray this morning as we just hear and see all of the blessings that we have been blessed with, Lord. So many different opportunities that you have given us, Lord. I just pray that you, as you've blessed us, Lord, we may turn and continue to do, continue to be a blessing out uh, into the community. Lord, I pray also that you create in us a pure heart. Create in us in a pure heart, Lord. Renew your spirit within us. Forgive us. Guide us. Not just be hearers of the word, Lord, but be doers. Give us a clear vision of how to serve and what to serve as we move forward. Help us to be the humble servants that you have created us to be, Lord, as we go into the future. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug. And thanks to each one of you as you play the part that God calls you to play within our church family. All right. Well, today is week two of our core work series. And uh, as we follow Christ through life, we will face various trials. Having a strong core is essential. And by core, we mean that inner world, our spiritual core, where we reflex or respond to trials in sync with the Word of God. And what's unique is we look at at trial, and we talk about trials coming at us like waves. They, They just come. There's different sizes, shapes, kinds of trials that can either crush us under their weight or propel us to be and to do uh, what God's called us to be to do in our life mission. And what's unique about the, uh, the various trials that, that come our way is that they're slightly different. And in God's word, we see four categories emerge, each with a unique reflex. And so last week we looked at the first category, the upper left quadrant, and the category was testing. James 1 was the text. And, and we know... Um, our reflex is consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know these three things and so hopefully you have those we're getting those grooved and i know i've written this paradigm in my life hack sheet that i review probably every couple weeks and i hope that for all of us that this will be a paradigm that you can just pull to mind and remember okay a trial hits it's going to be one of these categories and then you can respond and reflex and sync with God's word, making the most of that trial. We, uh, in the circle there, there's the overlap of mystery and also overlap where some, there's some fuzzy space in here. And today we'll, we'll, we'll notice that where these trials do have, have overlap. But there is a unique way to respond. So today is category two. And it's John chapter 15 verses one to eight is the, the core text. We'll be equipped with the reflex there. And we'll, uh, we'll go ahead, if you would join me there in John chapter 15. As you turn there, just a quick background. It's, it's helpful to know we're, we're jumping right into a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Familiar for many of us, I'm sure, but uh, this is a, a unique time in the conversation that starts back in John 13, where Jesus, remember, he had his, uh, he washed the disciples' feet in the upper room. They celebrated the Passover meal. But now they, are, they have left Jerusalem. So they've, they've walked through the city. The lights of Jerusalem are fading in the background. And they're walking into the night on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that that leads down through the Kidron Valley. And we know that there are ancient uh, vineyards along the way. 
And so they're making their way up to the, and, and you just picture Jesus, king of kings, with his 11, Judas is now left, and that's an important note as we try to interpret this passage. He's speaking to his followers, believers, and uh, what's going on in, in the city? The religious leaders are scurrying together, and the darkness, evil, is huddling a band of Roman soldiers and religious leaders who are making their way to, to Gethsemane. So the king is huddling his crew, They I, and we can imagine, i pretty sure he probably stops in a vineyard, the lantern, the glow of the lantern around them, and takes the vine and says, guys, you see this vine, you see these branches, you see this fruit. I, I want you to see more. This is the secret to how our, this kingdom will advance. This is the secret. And that's where we pick it up in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, he sums it up. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so one of the gifts of this text is it creates another category for trial, which can be summed up with the word pruning. So last week it was testing. This week in the upper, we'll go upper uh, left or right quadrant, is pruning. The, uh, back to verse 1 and 2, he says, I am the true vine. Interesting there, when he says true vine, he's in a Jewish mind. God compared his people Israel to a vine in Isaiah chapter 5, 25. But it was always in the context of a vine that had gone wild and was not bearing fruit. Jesus is saying, in almost you can see him looking back at Jerusalem, they were to, Israel was to be the vine, but they're not. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. This is a, and we can't get deep into this, but, but I'll just give you the cliff note version. Circle the, the phrase cuts off, and it's a verb. I don't think that's a good translation. You can, um, and Arthur Pink and others, Bruce Wilkinson in his book, uh, Secrets of the Vine, flesh this out. But um, this, is, this word is also translated takes up or lifts up. And when you understand it in the context of a gardener, if you, or a uh, vine dresser, if you were to ask a, a vine dresser, what's he talking about here? Br- vine branches would tend to grow along the vine, along the ground. And when they do, they get muddy and they don't bear fruit. And so when, when they're not bearing fruit, the job is you don't cut that one off it's still alive you lift it up the text says he cuts off every branch in me so these are people who are in christ assuming it's a believer so he lifts them up cleans them off and then they can begin bearing fruit this what supports this as well is in verse three where he says you are already clean because you have my word in you so he's like disciples you don't need to be lifted up and cleaned off 
you're already bearing fruit, so prepare to be what? This is, this is counterintuitive, verse 2. While every branch that bears fruit, so they're bearing fruit. The, the branch is doing good things. It's bearing fruit. He prunes. Ah. So refle- here, here's the reflex. And, and then we'll break it down. The reflex is this. When God goes to pruning, surrender to his pruning by seeing his purpose and treasuring his presence. So to help us understand this and live this out, there are three moves that really make up this this reflex. And we'll break down each move as it it appears here in this text. The first one is surrender to his pruning. So the question is, what is pruning, right? What's he talking about here? And to these guys who were familiar with vineyards, it, it it was very clear. Vineyards were common in Palestine, and a healthy vine would, would burst into just robust growth to the point where you would plant a vine 12 feet apart from each other because the branches just go. And so you have this, this vine that's just, it looks like it's so alive. It's got all of these branches, and the branches just shoot off in every different direction. But if a vine is left to grow or a branch is left to grow without pruning, it will in time bear no fruit or bear very little fruit. And so in December or January, a gardener breaks out the shears and he goes to clipping and pruning and will prune, cut, and actually cut the, the, the branch back pretty drastically to focus um, so that it will focus its energy on uh, new growth and, and where it needs to go. So what does Jesus mean when he tells us the Father will prune the one who bears fruit? What's that mean for you and, and for me in our lives It's the painful but necessary process of removing a good thing so that we can focus on our main thing that that he has in mind for us. Pruning is our Father's wise and gracious intervention, removing a good thing in our life so that we can focus on the main thing. And this is where we struggle because it's counterintuitive. It's hard. And I was talking with Wes this week of, you know, you're doing something even for God, a ministry perhaps and he takes that away and like why this was doing good this was what i thought you wanted me to do lord and yet now it's gone and um why and how do we process that and the reason pruning finds its way into the the category of trial is because it is a painful process as it's as it's happening what does god prune from our lives maybe a possession that we treasure it may be a job that we enjoy. It may be a ministry, maybe a relationship. It may be a routine of life that we were just loving as we were living that. It may be a place that you're living that you enjoy, a literal house or community or whatever. It may be a hobby or a, a pursuit, a pastime. It may be a, a dream that, that you've had. Pruning means a cut happens. And that cut involves something that is a part of you that you value. And therefore, it means pain. And so what's our natural reaction to pruning? And I was thinking resistance immediately, right? Jump and run. And I keep picturing our little white dog, Riley, the moment she hears the scissors come out of the drawer and we come near her with those scissors. And we're like, Riley, it's not a big haircut. It's just a little facial hair trim. And 
that does not matter. She's the closer the scissors come to her face, the the greater her resistance. And I wish I could say the pruning that Jesus has in mind here is just a little clip, facial hair clip, or he picture Mr. Miyagi clipping his bonsai bonsai tree. But uh, but it's drastic pruning. When pruning would happen in a vineyard, it was a pile of branches that that would be heaped up, and then. What's interesting is the, the branches are good for nothing except bonfire type of, type of fire. Um, and so the biggest threat we face as we experience pruning is that we misinterpret his pruning and we reflex with resistance rather than surrender to his pruning. When he removes a good thing that, that's keeping us from the main thing, our temptation is to resist him. And this can take the form of becoming bitter or resentful or rebellious or angry or disillusioned and so our first move is to surrender to his pruning to trust him a couple questions that come to mind as we think about pruning in this category can i self prune like can we just say lord i'll take over this job and take that off your plate so you don't have to worry about it (laughs) and yes the answer is you can self prune in fact we're called to in ephesians 4 and in colossians 3 and hebrews chapter 12 to put off put on to throw off the things that entangle us but the Father still reserves the right to prune us <laughs> at his discretion. Will I mature beyond the point of needing to be pruned? Is there hope that down the road I will finally hit that point of, whoo, done with pruning? All right, bad news from the world of horticulture. They say the more mature a plant becomes, the more the pruning it gets. So, and we don't have that specifically in Scripture, but, but those of us who have walked with the Lord for a while, we know it, that's probably true, isn't it? Where He goes inward and goes after some of those harder to get areas, and it can be uh, I mean a lot of pruning. How do I become, or how do I know where God is pruning me? It's often at the pain point of our lives, and so paying attention to our pain and just is this a pruning that's happening? And then is all loss pruning? And I think this is really important, especially for those of you who have suffered significant loss, even this past year. And, and the answer is no. Um, there is a, and this is where the categories help us, and I don't want to steal the thunder from a category we're coming to, but significant things that, that um, things like death, divorce, things where evil is at play in our life under the curse, there is overlap where God can use those to help us be, be more fruitful, but those fall into another category of trial, and the response to those is, is different. And then how do I surrender to pruning when my reflex is to resist? How do we retrain ourselves? And this is where the rest of the text goes. Two other moves to make. The second move helps us in this, and it is this. The Lord is he's teaching us here, wants us to see God's purpose, see his purpose in the pruning. And this is where the text just explodes with hope. When the father goes to pruning, what's his purpose? And Jesus says it again and again and again in this text. Verse 2, he says, He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be what? Even more fruitful. So what is God's purpose in the pruning? His desire is that we would go from some fruit to more fruit to what we see in verse 8, much fruit. You look at verse 4 and 5, it says, uh, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If 
you remain in me and I in you, you will bear what? Much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so about now we're, we're wondering, and by the way, quick side note, this is one of the promises that's just precious to hold on to. God doesn't say, if you abide in me, you might bear a little fruit. He's like, no, you will bear much fruit, a life of spiritual abundance, which that brings the next question. Okay, what's fruit? What does he mean by fruit in this metaphor? To bear fruit is to do the good that God created you to do for his glory, for the good of the people around you and for our own joy. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are recreated to be his presence here on earth and to be a life-giving presence. One of the great joys of the Christian life is realizing that as I connect to the vine, as I walk with Christ, as I live in intimate communion with him, I just have to show up be faithful, stay connected to him, do what he's called me to do, be what he's called me to be, and my life will bring, I will bring love, and I will bring joy, and I will bring, I will bring peace, and I will bring good to the people around me and the community around me. It just happens, and it's awesome, and when we get to the end of our life, we'll look back. God gets all the glory because it's him working through us, but there will be a basket of much fruit that flows from your life and from mine. And this is, do you feel the hope coming out of this? I just love this picture of, do you just pause and consider, what is God's vision for your life? What is his intention for you? And he say, says right here, it's that you would bear much fruit for the Father's glory. Verse 8 says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when often, and this is where we have to check our pride a little bit, when we talk about much of anything, we can start thinking about ourselves. Yeah, I want to go save the world or change the world so that my name can be, you know, I can feel significant. And that's the danger we have to check ourselves on. But God's desire is abundance of fruit through our lives. And you say, why abundance? Why, why didn't he call us to just go, uh, you know, fill up a basket, little basket of fruit? And it's verse 8, it's for his glory. As we bear fruit, we bring him glory. And what is our primary purpose in life? And it's to live for his glory, to bring him glory through our lives. And so, uh, and so when the shears come and we fill the cut and a good thing is being taken away so that something better might develop, we see his purpose. Much fruit, much fruit, much fruit. I had a mini loss in my life um, that happened uh, just before Christmas, and I, I, if you've been around for a while, maybe you've heard me reference my green coffee mug. It, we've been together for about 10 years, and we do uh, coffee every morning together. And for me, chemical precision is really important. So I fill it to the brim, sip it down, and uh, it's, it's just the go for the day. I opened the dishwasher a couple of weeks before Christmas, and to my shock and great sorrow and sadness, my green coffee mug was beaten and battered and broken. And so I entered the five stages of grief as I set that coffee mug into the trash can and just looked at it with, now what? About 30 seconds later, I, I exited the, the grieving process. <laughs> I was ready to move on with my life, <clears throat> but to where? So I opened up the, the cabinet, and to my great joy, my dear wife had purchased just weeks earlier two of these, two of them. 
almost the same size, but I needed to cut down on my coffee, so this was forcing me to do it just a little bit, though. But look at this mug. I mean, it's just, does that not say hope to you? It's like, I don't know what you call the paint job, but it's like from dark to light, and it's stronger, and it's steadier, and I have two of them now. One goes down, I've got a backup. It was a praise moment. I had been pruned, but it was just clearing the cabinet for what was next. Something better. Well, it got even better than that. Two days, I think it was two days before Christmas, there's a knock or a doorbell ring. We go run into the door, nobody but a, a box on the a, a package, wrapped Christmas package. Open this thing up to a, who knows who we know now, but, uh, and there was a bunch of mugs and this mug that said, good morning, church family. <laughs> And I'm like, no way, an extra mug on top of the mug that the Lord had already provided that I can drink hot chocolate and eggnog in and all these things, and life just keeps getting better. And I share that just as that picture of, okay, that was a hard moment to lose my green mug, but God was just clearing the cabinets for better and for more. And so it is as he prunes us. Um, By pruning, though, by definition it's loss and so the question is how do we um when a pile of what we're seeing the pile of branches or a pile of those things that we we value and love we're part of our life how do we process through the loss and i so appreciate what the lord does in this text not only does he say okay see my purpose see the father's purpose but he point points us to the treasure of treasures which is in verse four and five and throughout the text but he says remain in me as i also remain in you No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the third move here is to treasure his presence. So as the trial comes, we surrender to his pruning as we see his purpose. But what keeps us under the shears? Like when it's hard, and how do we process the pain of of loss? It's by, and here Jesus just lifts our eyes again and again and again to this precious reality. As we go throughout life, many things are going to be pruned from us. But what's the one thing we will never lose in the pruning process? Our connection to the vine. There is one thing that that we will never lose, one thing God will never prune away from us, and it's our connection to the vine. It's our intimacy with him, our communion with Christ, the treasure of treasures. And he says it again and again and again in this text. And what a gift to remember this as we come into the pruning times just to turn it and so that it eventually becomes reflex. God's, he's got a purpose for this, much fruit. And as I endure this time of loss and this real pain and this real hurt, there's one thing that I have that I will never lose, and it's the treasure of this. And and talking with my Savior, walking with my Savior. And throughout life, it's that process of awakening that the, the great treasure of life is not all these things we do and enjoy, is it? I was thinking as we were singing today about the time the disciples came back fired up and they're like, Jesus, we did all these great things in your name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in the things you did for me. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life, the gospel. 
We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ into a lifelong, eternity-long relationship with him. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our everything, isn't he? And yes, when the pruning comes, it hurts, and it's real hurt, but we have him. And so we treasure his presence. So, is that, are we good? Making sense? This text, the trial comes. It's a, we discern God's pruning this from my life. Our goal is to surrender to his pruning by seeing his purpose, by treasuring his presence. So here's our homework assignment for this week. Think back over your life to a time when God pruned something. And it was painful, but he pruned it, and you became more fruitful through it. And then share that with somebody else, your family at dinner or a friend over coffee or your small group. And we can encourage each other with that. Does that sound good? And then if you want a bonus point, think of a person who God pruned in the Bible and how God might have used that in their life, and then share that as well. And, and you win the pruning, uh, the pruning homework contest. I was immediately thinking about Luke Callahan in our own church family and his faith story. He says this, my memory of my life before coming to a Christian is cloudy at best. I grew up in a Christ-centered household where church was not an option. My, I was glad my parents made me made church a priority. You knew you were going every Sunday. We had nightly family devotions. We prayed together before every dinner. One evening during family devotional, when I was approximately 10 years old, I decided I wanted to follow Christ and pursue a life worth living. He paints the picture of sitting there by his dad across the floor of his bedroom that he shared with his two brothers. And he he says, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. Fast forward a few years, and I was baptized at Northview Christian Church on my birthday. I felt inspired and and on fire for Christ in the coming months. But it wasn't much more than a, a year later before a shift occurred in my life that led me down to some of my lowest valleys. I became enwrapped in my own ego living a a life centered around achievement in the classroom and basketball. My life was no longer centered on Christ. I still attended church and youth group and and the way I lived, but the way I lived and acted was not what God calls us to as Christians. I struggled with sin, I struggled with my identity, and I struggled with following the life God wanted for me. Soon, I'm in college and living exactly the life I'll brag on him for me. He was valedictorian in the class, went on to play at, at Rose Holman, gifted basketball player. He's, he says, I, I had exactly the life I wanted. Quite literally, I felt like there was nothing that could possibly go wrong as I had complete control of my life. But early in my second year of college, I had an identity crisis. I was injured for the first time in my athletic career that cost me most an extended amount of time away from the game. He says, after the injury, I remember just hitting the shower wall in the hotel room and asking God, why has this happened to me? Have you been there? You're just like, this makes no sense. I can look back now and see that this may have been one of the biggest blessings in disguise as it helped me refocus and put Christ back at the center of my life. Praise the Lord. I had great friends with with a strong identity in Christ to encourage me along the way. The injuries continued to pile on in my college career, but each following injury felt like a nudge in the direction God wanted me to go with my life. Since refocusing on Jesus as the center of my life, I am no longer a slave to myself or to the world. I am able to recognize sin in my life more clearly than ever, and I can repent and take actions to prevent it. My prayer life has blossomed, and my prayer is now more of an ongoing conversation throughout every day with the Lord. 
I can consciously put others first and let my ego take a back seat. I am thankful we serve a God who relentlessly pursues us in the hills and the valleys. Pruning, it's coming. As we bear fruit, we will be pruned. But as it comes, we surrender to his pruning, knowing he's moving us from some fruit to much fruit. And we treasure his presence, knowing that he will not leave us in this process. Would you join me in prayer? And as we go to prayer today, I just invite you to respond to this text and, and just talk to the Lord in your own words. Today, I, I'm sure some of us are feeling that pruning. And maybe you just need to ask him for help to surrender. Father, we thank you that that we know your heart as the pruning times come and we say goodbye to things that are hard to say goodbye to, good things to know that you are at work and that you are moving us from some fruit to much fruit for your glory. Thank you for this truth, Lord. And and yet it's, uh, it's not easy. So we pray for your help. We thank you for the precious invitation to abide in you, to remain in you. And we pray that you would help us with that, to just live in your presence daily. As we bear fruit, Lord, we just want to give you all the glory and no greater joy than walking with you and then seeing you somehow use us as broken people and flawed people and yet you pour your grace through us and we thank you for the ways that you're doing that through our church family and and beyond and just pray that that would continue to happen for your glory we pray all this in jesus name amen thanks for listening if you'd like to talk with someone about today's message you can contact us through our website westbridgedanville.com And we'd love to help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus.